0: Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey,
1: Megan. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm really excited about this episode because we talk on the show all the time about ways that we're different. And then when we're together, we notice that there are just as many ways that we are the same. And so, you know, we know there's a lot going on in the world right now, some stressful news, and we just thought it would be really fun to kind of take on a topic that's a little light and fluffy for a yep. more than mom episode this week and also just dig in like on the things that we've noticed about each other that's very very different like both the macro stuff, like the big picture ways we're different and the same. And the little things that are different and the same, because I feel like people who listen to this show might think, might get the impression that we're just complete polar opposites all the time. And that's actually not the case.
1: No, it's not. And one of my favorite things over the years is when we discover something little that is really, really similar about us, given our different backgrounds and that we didn't, you know, we didn't become friends until we were in our adulthood. And then we'll discover something that's like really uniquely similar. And that is always like a little Easter egg surprise for me. Um, But maybe this is a good time for those who are newer around here to really briefly remind people how we know each other, because whenever you compare personalities or like have fun, you know, with these kind of conversations, um, sometimes the assumption is that we started out as friends or that we've been friends for a long, long time. And so if you're new around here. Um, We met on the Internet in a professional capacity in 2011 and started working together in 2012, all virtually. I'm in Southern California. You're in Michigan. I was actually in Arizona at the time in the early years. Um, And I think that's relevant because, you know, when you've been friends with somebody since high school, for example, so much of your formative opinions and experiences are shared Um, But for you and I, we were in our 30s um, and living on different sides of the country. And we came together professionally and then only became friends through that. So I think that makes this even maybe a little more interesting.
0: It is interesting because like a lot of the ways we've discovered things about each other have been because we've been thrown together like in these environments like hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't really know each other super well the first time we stayed in a hotel room together. We'd been working together for years, but we didn't have like a super tight personal bond at that point, I would say. And then we're like in a hotel room. right? Yeah. So it's like yeah, we, it was you very, learn so much. It yeah. was
1: very gradual, really. I mean, the first time we ever met in person at all was, I think, about a year and a half maybe into working together. And then not like an not a conference where we stayed in a hotel together for another couple of years. And then for a couple of years, it was like once a year. So we really now we see each other in person. I don't know, two, three, four times a year. And we talk constantly. But um, if you are newer around here or you've only gotten to know us through listening to the podcast, you might think we just have been chatting like besties forever, but um we haven't. So I think, yeah, I think this will be it's fun. fun. Um, and
0: and some irony there, um, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but one of the things I think was really unique about the way we partnered in the beginning is that we had such a similar writing style. Yeah. And we also both had a very similar way of looking at big topics, like really breaking them down, trying to really see things from all sides and we, I think what we've learned is that maybe we come at that from different angles. Like we do that for different reasons. But what it led to is sometimes I would go back um, to the blog that we were running and I'd read one of your articles and think it was mine for a second. Like I wouldn't even know that I didn't write it. It's, we had such similar styles in that way, which is funny to me because... Really, there was so much different about yeah. the way that we kind of come to the world, so yeah. and I learned yeah, a really lot fun. from
1: you as a writer because I was the junior to you and you taught a course um so there might have been some of that, but I think what what we really both were turned off by was absolute absolutes in parenting culture, and that yes. is probably if there's one thing that drew us together, it was um a frustration with absolutes in parenting writing and that's what drew me yeah. to you as a blogger and to other bloggers that I followed 10 years ago that I still think very very highly of in their ability to um pick apart what the what uh what what everybody else seems to be all wound up about and yes. look at it Pick it up and I'm making hand gestures here and look at it from <laughs> from
0: the underside. The zeitgeist, and, is that the word you're yeah. looking for? Um, L- and look how I got to be over here silent and like just thinking like yeah, just, like a dictionary. Yeah,
1: you can just <laughs> apply the nice big words. Um, yeah. So I think that is a that's a fundamental thing that that brought us together, which is cool because hopefully that's what we do here on the podcast all these years later.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the little ways we're different. Cause I think these are things people have probably heard before on the show, maybe multiple times. So we can just kind of rapid fire, um, go through like this little list of things you've probably heard us remark about, and then we'll take a break. And then we're going to get into some of the ways that were the same that might be surprising. Yeah. Um, little ways. And then big, ends, big ways that were different and big ways that were the same. So Sarah, you take it away. We're just going to run through these rapid fire.
1: Okay. Well, the first one that comes to mind is white wine, red wine. You exclusively drink red and I do not. I drink white and red, but I'm most often spotted with a glass of red wine.
0: You know, it's funny about that as I have a reputation for only drinking red wine, but I have recently, and I've always liked rose, which usually is listed as a white. Right. It's in the, (laughs) yeah, it's it's in the, yeah. Um, And I've just, I've always liked it, but lately I've found myself gravitating toward it. I just don't like cold drinks when I'm relaxing. I know that sounds really weird. <laughs>
1: it's okay. We we, we we could do an entire, we have done an entire episode about our opinions about drinks. We have, we
0: have. So there's so so just, in the So just to explain why I rarely drink white wine, and that's not that I never do, I just rarely do, is that when I'm in the mood to like relax at the end of the night or whatever, I don't want to drink something cold. That's okay. really it. It's not the flavor at all. Oh,
1: that's um, interesting. Okay. <laughs> and, and the reason I, I actually really love red wine, but I, I'm prone to headaches anyway with any amount of alcohol over like two drinks really um, and so and red wine just exacerbates it. I can get a bad headache from anything more than one small glass of red wine. So I just yeah. I always start with white and I might have a little red later. So I'm I'm known Sorry, as a white wine drinker, but it's really like fortunate. I
0: know. Bad. But you could just drink your white wine room temperature, seeing how that goes. I've tried that. It's no, not it's not, the same. not good. <laughs> so okay. Um moving on. So you drink coffee, I drink tea. Yep. Um we talk a lot about our hot beverage. Um, our hot beverage preferences. Now, Sarah, you do drink tea. I do. You just don't. It's just not the way you feel your day.
1: No, it's not my morning starter drink. And when I drink tea it's usually cuz back to temperature I want something warm in my hand and it's almost always herbal tea cuz at that point I yeah. don't need the caffeine and another funny thing is I like my coffee very strong but I like my herbal tea kind of weak like I just want it to be herbal water basically now yeah, if like I were hot, drinking hot water yeah if I were <laughs> drinking black tea like you do and I really do enjoy it um then I would want it strong like I like my coffee cuz it's a caffeinated yeah. Black tea beverage, an English English breakfast or something. But if I'm having herbal tea, it's really to just hold a warm mug in my hand and drink flavored water. So I don't, I don't like, like skunky green teas or really overpowering oh, yeah. anything. So it's We're like the same there. Yeah, herb water.
0: Um, but but I think what's interesting for me is I've never really liked coffee and I just decided at one point in my life, like, why am I forcing, like, why am I trying to force myself to have a habit? Right. Um, but my, for me, tea is not really about caffeine. I suspect that you could swap out a decaf black tea. And that I might have like a mild headache the first day, but not know why. Yeah. And then by the second day, it'd be fine. Because for me, it's more about like, that's just what I want to drink. I mm-hmm. want something creamy. I always put half and half in it. Um, and so sometimes like hot cocoa can swap in for that. So I, I will kind of mix. I'll play with it, but I'm almost very purposely not going with something super caffeinated as my fuel drink because I literally drink it all day long.
1: And you, I will say just drink way more beverages than I do. Like I I am am so
0: beverage. I am
1: very economical. I like, I need my one cup of coffee in the morning. I try to have a glass of water in the morning. I know I'm supposed to drink more water throughout the day, but I don't, I will have a LaCroix if it's warm outside and I want one, but it's not like, so I don't, you always have, you are like very beverage oriented and I am more snack oriented.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was just going to say on my way downstairs to start recording, I always try to grab as many things as I can put in my hands. Um, (laughs) from my bedroom to, you know, (laughs) throw away or whatever. And it was two tea mugs and three LaCroix LaCroix cans. And that's since yesterday. So somehow all of that wound up in my bedroom in the last 24 hours.
1: Yeah. And I need to be reminded to like, I could really be very happy with one cup of coffee in the morning and one glass of wine at night and not ever think about drinking anything. Now that would not be healthy, but I don't have an internal desire to have beverages during the day.
0: And I maybe have too many internal desires to have beverages. Just let's leave it at that. Okay. So uh, moving on. I think Sarah, it's your turn.
1: Okay. Well, we touched on snackiness. I think um, I am more of a snacker in general. I think I eat throughout the day more than you do. Like I'm always like, when's my next, I need to eat something or I have like almonds in my purse. Um, And I also think I like a balance of sweet and salty, Not, not in any given snack, but I mean, I do like something sweet every once in a while or a dessert after dinner and I think you probably you almost always lean salty, savory.
0: I do. Well, you know it's funny about that. Like, have we ever had dessert? Yeah, we together? have.
1: I know we had one with Amy and Margaret at that restaurant cuz it was really good. Oh yeah, uh, but I know sometimes that sometimes it's been, worth it. Yeah.
0: I have nothing like a really well-done dessert to me is like heaven or like a really well-done brunch um situation that has like some kind of delicious roll or whatever. Yeah. But I can have that and then not have a sweet snack for two weeks. Yeah, and it's not really about snacking either. It's just about the fact that there's this delicious creation in front of me. Um, but it's funny. I grew up with a really strong sweet tooth, and it just yeah. kind of went away. I don't know. I
1: would call myself like I'm pretty balanced in the middle. I would a lot of times I still would choose salty. I'm still going to choose French fries over a milkshake if I can only have one or the other. I will right. go fries. But I. But if I can have both, I like the milkshake too.
0: Now, if you were having. Would you be somebody who, like, if you were having a fast food meal, you would feel like you had to have, like, a Coke to balance out the salty of the fries? I,
1: well, I don't, so I don't like Coke. I don't like um, that kind of soda, but I would love a milkshake. I mean, the, the okay. alternating between the sweet and the salty is one of the great pleasures of fast food dining.
0: <laughs> I, I do agree with that, actually. I think that it's part of, it's like as a whole you're not looking at it as it's not yeah. a, a compilation of parts. It's the whole same
1: with breakfast. Like if there's bacon and then there's like my kids will order pancakes and I don't order pancakes. But if I've just had a savory egg dish, there is nothing better than reaching over and like finishing a plate of my kids waffle with butter and syrup.
0: Like it's like I, breakfast I dessert. I the same about um, French toast. Yeah, I, I,
1: any of it. French toast, pancakes, waffles. I would do any of it.
0: Maybe we're not that different. after all. <laughs> Well, here's another way we are actually very different. Um, And this has been a a recurring joke, especially because we're on two different coasts or on two different coasts, is that I prefer, I have a later body clock. Mm -hmm. I I guess I would say I'm I'm more prone to stay up late and get up late. Um, And you're much more likely to go to bed early and get up early. I will say as of late, my body clock is slowly adjusting itself a little earlier, Mm -hmm. but I kind of think there's a a threshold. Like it's going to only get... And don't you and think stop. that
1: the only part of this is actually what time you close your eyes to go to sleep and what time you wake up in the morning? The other part is how you manage your energy throughout the day. And I I just don't do anything productive in the second half or the last quarter of the day ever. And you can like sit down. You can work from like 10 yeah. to midnight. And so... Um, and by the same token, like, I think you ramp your day up probably more gradually than I do. Like if I'm going to get, oh yeah. (laughs) so it's not just like, what time does the alarm go off or what time do we hit the sack at night? It's also where does the productivity happen is pretty night and day to pun intended.
0: Well, for me, it's really like the first couple hours I have a really hard time. And now there are always, there are always exceptions. Um, if I really have to get something done, like on a super tight deadline and I need mental energy, I will actually purposely get up really early because I find that something about how abnormal that is for me, like puts me in that, like, you better you get into this high done.
1: Gear. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like kicks me into high gear. But usually I would say mornings, the first two hours, it's a good time for me to be contemplative mm-hmm. and maybe write in my journal or communicate with people, like write an email, maybe go to the gym, like physically I can be energetic, but it's, it's not going to be my most like mentally sharp. But then from about, I don't know, noon until five, I'm good. And then I can often bounce back at night. And I know that's that's not what you pattern is not
1: like. it, That is not possible for me. <laughs> what I love about that with you is it's like, I don't think you have a scarcity mindset of hours in the day. And I absolutely do. Whether it's just my wiring or the fact that, you know, I still have younger kids, but like you, it, I think you can be that way because you see the day as having like, Eighteen hours, and I see it as having like seven.
0: <laughs> I feel I see the concept of a day as being extremely fluid. Yeah. Like I will say, sometimes I'll look at a day and go, "Like, is this even like you know?" So what if tonight I only get like five hours of sleep? Like I don't prefer that, but if that's how it is, then it's a you know, rolling. I can,
1: it's a rolling definition of exactly like, night and day. And mine it's is just like, like there's a
0: window, and I can push it forward or yeah, back as yeah. much as I want to. Yeah, I love that about you. <laughs> oh, thanks. And I like the fact that I can count on you to be up in the morning when you say you're going to be. And I'm never like, why hasn't Sarah gotten online yet? Like, where is she? Right, Right. You're you're predictable, which is nice, actually, because I'm not so much. So we need one of us to be. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some little ways we're the same. Sarah, you know, I am a huge fan of bath products and also very picky about them, right? So I was really excited to try our new sponsor, Osea. Osea, that's O-S-E-A, offers an amazing line of plant-based skin and body care solutions that are pure, safe, and effective. I am loving these products so much. They smell fantastic. They're non-toxic. They're made from nourishing ingredients, and the packaging is not only sustainable, but gorgeous. I love having it on my bathroom shelf.
1: It is beautiful. Osea pulls from botanical sources around the world to create products that are truly effective.
0: I love that the company
1: was founded and is run by a family of women, and the products are also vegan and made right here in California, up the road from me in LA. And you can actually stop into the Osea Venice skincare studio if you're in the area.
0: I am particularly loving the Undaria Algae Body Oil. It feels amazing going on after a bath, and it can also help reduce the appearance of stretch marks, so it's great for expecting moms. Actually, Osea has a few products that are specially made for expecting moms, which I know can feel so special when you're pregnant.
1: We know you're going to love these products, too. So go to OseaMalibu.com slash The Mom Hour for $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more. They offer free shipping for U.S. orders of $75 or more and free samples with every order. Again, that's Osea, O-S-E-A, Malibu.com slash The Mom Hour for $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more.
0: Well, I want to say thank you so much to everyone for the great feedback on our new podcast club for listeners of The Mom Hour. It has been so fun to see this so well-received in our community, and we've been getting some questions about it, so we wanted to clear a few things up.
1: Yes, the biggest thing we're hearing is like, hey, I would love to do this, but none of my real-life friends listen to The Mom Hour, or they don't even listen to podcasts. And that's one thing that we do want to clear up. So this podcast club is totally for you and your real-life friends, regardless of whether they've ever even heard of us. We use the podcast as a starting point and we teach you how to teach them how to access it. But it's much more about you hosting a fun mom's night in in your home to further the conversation about motherhood.
0: Right. So if you have a handful of friends you'd invite to a wine night or a book club, you've got a group for this. You just download our host kit and it gives you everything from language to use on the invitations to printable name tags so that you can host without stress. And we help you facilitate the group discussion with a special audio recording just for the club gatherings and a discussion guide for you to lean on, kind of like those book club guides you see at the end of a book.
1: The Mom Hour Podcast Club download kit is available now at themomhour.com slash club. And here's something we're doing just for the first few listeners who not only download the kit, but actually host a gathering. If you send us an email at least five days before your event with a little bit of information about who's coming and what your group is like, we'll record a custom audio message that you can play for your guests. We can't do this for everybody forever, but shoot us an email at club at when your gathering is on the books and we'll make it happen. Again, to find out more about the podcast club and download your kit, head to themomhour.com slash
0: club. Okay, Sarah. So now let's dive in on some little ways we're the same. Um, I'll go first in this one because this this first one is just fun and everybody already knows probably, but we love club sandwiches. We
1: love club sandwiches.
0: And what I think the reason we discovered this is that so many hotel menus, particularly room service menus, have a club sandwich as one of the very limited options. So even if it's one of those like late night menus, we both like we love room service. Mm-hmm, we do. Sometimes we just got to, ha- you know, take down a late night meal after conferencing and we can share a club sandwich. And I, we learned that because it was like, I think one time we we're like, let's share something. And yeah. that was the thing. we and both And
1: it's one of those things that's relatively safe on any menu. If you don't know how the food is going to be, or like, if, you know, like what, just what kind of quality you're dealing with at an establishment, it's relatively safe. Um, I will say my preferred club sandwich does not have the scratchy bread that's going to cut up the roof of your mouth because that's the worst. That. Um, also,
0: every, and I don't like too much ham.
1: Well, I was just going to say that. So every once in a while, if it even has ham, I have to have no ham. I don't. I don't like ham at all. But a lot of them don't. A, lot of, a turkey club is often just the turkey, bacon, avocado. Yeah. Like a, a good like um, aioli is wonderful mm-hmm. for me, and then the mm-hmm. bread. If it was like a ciabatta or some kind of like interesting bread that wasn't scratchy roof of, roof of your mouth toast. Um, or just
0: not too toasted, not over. Yeah, to- exactly. even just like a regular bread, as long as it's still got a little give to it. Yep. Um, I am sort of neutral about ham. I don't love it. But like if it's light, if it's a light application of ham, I don't hate it. But I have gotten turkey or club sandwiches before where it's like, you know, three inches of ham. No, I can't. Here.
1: I If I would read the menu and if it said it had ham, um, I would say no ham. Because I mean, you have turkey and you have bacon. What, what more do you right, need? You and need I just really pig. don't like the taste of ham. Yes, we love our club sandwiches. We can be found in airports and hotels across the country sharing a club sandwich if you ever see us in the wild.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, there's something we both don't like.
1: Yes, there is something that we both do not want anywhere near our club sandwiches or other food, and that is pickles or olives or briny foods <laughs> at all.
0: Are you are you anti all olives? I, will, I mean, if okay, so a black olive like on a burrito or like on pizza? I'm not going to throw the whole thing out because of it, but I would not choose it.
1: Would you pick it out before you took the bite? Probably if you saw pick it. it I, if it was easy to get
0: out, I'd pick it out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we're about it, the yeah. same in there. I'm, I'm, and, and what's funny is we just discovered this pretty recently. Yeah. I want to say it was like last year that we were both at a restaurant and we both were like, Oh, I think it was like, they put a little olive tray out or something. Yeah. <laughs> and we were blanking, like, no, and like shoved it away.
1: Get it away. Yeah. Well, you know, it's probably one of those things where we've had a pickle on the side and said, hey, do you want my pickle? No. Do you want my pickle? But we'd never like <laughs> committed it to memory. Now right. it's committed to memory. Um, yeah. So no. no Kalamata
0: olives, no. no stuffed olives, no green olives. No pickles no Thank of you to any bl- kind. No, pickle. no pickles of any kind. OK,
1: so what about a pickle relish that's in part of like a burger sauce? Like, you know, like I know you don't have in and out but like a lot of burger places have a kind of Ketchup, mayo, relish, like Even special worse. sauce. Oh, that's worse for
0: you? A relish to me is the worst thing that there could be touching any, <laughs> any, any food you would put a relish on, to me, ruins it. Okay, um, I and would, I have, I, would agree I, I, think I recently that. admitted that I had a, one sandwich once that had a pickle on it and I actually liked it, but that's like the one time. Oh yeah,
1: you did. I figured, oh, That was in the episode things we're changing our minds about.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but you, I didn't change my mind all the way. No. And relish to me, is, it's like the grossest, because not only is it all the flavor of pickles that I don't want, but it's also the texture of like slop.
1: Okay. Well, I 100% agree on relish. I don't want relish anywhere near my life, but there are a few burger places that have like what they call like a special sauce. And it's usually some combination of like mayo, ketchup, and I don't like a very little bit of like tangy relish. And there are times when I've been eating a burger and really liked the sauce and thought, I bet. That has a little bit of pickles in it, but I've just, yeah. I'm choosing to ignore it. So I would never, ever put relish on anything, but I, I think I've been tricked into it on a few and, and for that matter, ketchup, I don't actually like ketchup and I don't put it on anything, but I will eat like the, the burger sauce that a lot of places that is ketchup based. It's like ketchup and mm. mayo. So.
0: Yeah. I'm not willing to make exceptions. No, to my no rule. exceptions. Okay. So here's one that I know people know about us that is the same. And that it is that we both can absolutely trash a hotel room.
1: Oh, really fast. We can trash it.
0: Yes. In fact, I think the two of us together adds like a like to the power of 10. Like Uh both of us as part could only trash a hotel room, you know, like maybe one tenth as fast.
1: And we've talked about how when we're traveling with our kids, we're not allowed to be that way. You have to be picking up. You have to like treat your hotel room when you're with your family. Like, you know, like it's your mini house for so you're you know, you're putting the laundry over here. And but when we're together, it's like a free for all.
0: Well, and I also feel like it's because one of us always gets there later than the other. And then that person comes in and just, they're just so glad to be there. They just throw their stuff everywhere. And the other person almost like knowing that's going to happen has also thrown their stuff everywhere. So it's just...
1: There are a lot of beverage receptacles when we stay in a hotel room together. (laughs) Um, The bathroom counter, like there's no caps on anything. And... (laughs) Um, so what's funny is you are more conscientious about house cleaning coming in. You always remind me to clear off my bed and then I feel like a bad person. I mean, you don't make me feel like a bad person, but you are, you are conscious about like the ways in which the mess could impact the, our beds getting made, I guess. And I, I feel like I suspend all reality and I'm just willing to live like a slob for two days because it's a, it's a finite period of time. It is. It is. Okay, so another one is um we both own dogs and we are both sympathetic animal likers in that we like animals and we have a lot of people in our lives who love their dogs, but I would call us dog ambivalent, both of us. We're not
0: we're
1: we're just not like love our dogs type of people.
0: And and this has changed for me throughout my life. I would say with before kids, I was much more of a fan of dogs and I can be a fan of other people's dogs too. for like for like a short period yeah. of time, but like the fact that I have like this four legged person kind of just meandering around all the time, needing things from me mm-hmm. and, and also wanting my attention. It's not like a cat. Like she wants my attention, but like the dog just sits there looking at me. Like it makes me feel guilty for not petting her. Yeah, And, um, I just don't have a lot of tolerance for that yeah, as a mom.
1: I, I I feel the same way. And I feel like when I talk to people about their dogs and, and everybody has stories about how their dogs got into the trash or like made a huge right. mess or wrecked something. And then they say, yeah, but it's so worth it because fill in the blank because they're so right cute And that's the part and, and I I'm don't just get like, I'm the, waiting for the worth yeah, it it's, part. Me too. Me too. I know. And we're <laughs> yeah. brutally honest about that. And of course, like we take great care of our pets. We're like, we don't hate pets. We don't hate our dogs. We're just like ambivalent is the, is the right word. I am dog ambivalent. Even about, I'm, I'm literally petting my dog right now. And I just feel, I feel ambivalent. And it's not
0: creating like a warm rush no, of love no in your heart. No, I no oxytocin or whatever you have. You're like. doing it just to keep the dog from barking or like bumping into the computer, aren't you?
1: I mean, oh, he just, I'm going to leave that in there. I'm not going to edit that out. He That's he so demanded funny. to be known. Um, You know what is a terrible thing to say, but I'll just be really honest. It's the kind of thing where if I didn't have a dog for some reason, I wouldn't miss it for a very long time. And I know that because we had an older dog who passed away. I, it was, I mean, I was sad about the loss of that individual dog who we were bonded to, but I was not sad about entering a phase of life where we didn't have a dog. It was like totally fine with me. That's
0: exactly how I would be. I think I would, I would miss the actual dog who's become such a presence and I walk her and I see her all the time. She's just always around. I would miss that, but I wouldn't be eager to refill that. Right. With another canine companion at this point in my life. Who knows how I'll feel when I'm, you know, when the kids are out of the house. Um, Okay. So this one's really fun. Yeah. And I think that it took us a while to figure out that this was something we had in common, but there were just enough like instances where we both engaged in bad, low stakes driving.
1: So define so, that for people.
0: Okay. So we've realized that we're both pretty safe drivers when it comes to like highway driving or th- things like Using driving our blinkers? in bad weather. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like when, when the stakes are high, we are both very safe at driving and we're, we're conscientious and mindful. And when it's like backing out of garages Mm -hmm. or navigating a parking lot or something where it's like low speed, we might bump into something, but it's not, you know, not going to cause a big Mm -hmm. accident. We're both terrible.
1: Well, we both have spatial reasoning challenges. Like neither of us, (laughs) neither of us passes with flying colors, those exams where you have to like mentally turn objects around in your brain.
0: You're Um, very correct. So
1: that is, that's perhaps the fundamental thing that we share that results in, in parking lot snafus. And the number of, I mean, both you and I have had years where there were like three or four parking lot snafus, like scraping against something that you didn't mean to, like pulling in and like the bumper catches on something. And I I mean, I had like a bad phase for a while. And there was a discussion recently in our Facebook group about this. And somebody was chronically sleep deprived and backed out and like, you know, wrecked the side mirror of their car or whatever. And of course, sleep deprivation doesn't help. But that's the kind of thing like you and I have made Like a a pastime. I've been well, and what I thought was really funny
0: about that exchange was that I immediately sympathized with her because her husband was mad at her, and it was like I put, you know, I forgot about the fact that she's also walking around like a zombie because her baby won't sleep and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh, I know how it feels, yeah, for your spouse to be mad at you because you keep running the car into things. Like I've been, I've been there most of my life. Um, I think
1: we have such a pattern now that I feel so. Uh, bad is not the right word. I feel so dumb when I do something like that. It's a very self-shaming that Brian's actually very gentle with me. He's like, he's like, he knows not to be mad at me because I'm already so mad at myself. And I, I did the last one I had, (laughs) this is funny. (laughs) I don't know if I've told you this. The last one I had was in the whole foods parking lot last May. So not even a year. And, um, we, two cars, me and another car very, very slowly at very low speeds backed into each other. And I
0: he was <laughs> I did like not know <laughs> about this. Yeah. And I'm just picturing this like in a movie where someone's yelling, Stop. Yeah. And so. you just both keep going. So
1: not only that, <laughs> he was super rude. It was a guy, like Aww. probably in his early 30s, he made me feel really bad. We took each other's there was enough, it was just like broken tail lights and stuff, but there was enough damage um that we took each other's information and he claimed to his insurance that it was my fault. And I just claimed that. I I truly don't know whose fault it was, but we it was happening so slowly and neither of us saw the other. So like to me, that was like I said to my insurance, they interviewed me what happened. And I said, I honestly can't say definitively that it was or wasn't my fault because I don't know how either of us didn't see the other. Like I checked this shoulder. I checked my rearview camera. And then by that time, we just very slowly backed into each other. Well, this guy contested it. And it's been with insurance. So, like, he's still trying to claim to his insurance <laughs> company that it was my fault. And maybe it was. Like, I just don't know.
0: Well, if you backed into each other, I feel like there's only two options. Either you both didn't see each other, yeah. in which case you're equally not at fault. And that's what the insurance company said. Yeah. Or he saw you and still kept going, in which case it's more his fault. So, right. like, I don't know. I think you're kind of in the clear here. Well, I think that That's literally funny.
1: it went through arbitration. Like, I didn't ever have to talk to him again, but we we been getting the updates from our insurance company. And, and it has been ruled not my fault now twice because he protested it the first time. Oh, my gosh. I know. Well, I'm
0: glad you don't get a lot of, like, you know— I don't know what the pushback or whatever, when you, when you have a mishap, it's yeah. like Brian's going, Oh honey, I know. I know you, he, can't, like, you can't help you it. You can't
1: help it. You can't help yourself.
0: You can't help it. <sighs> <sighs> okay, it All my right, turn? Well, Oh, yep. Sorry. Okay. Go
1: ahead. Um, this is a weird one. Just brace yourself, everyone. And I, I remember <laughs> when we figured this out, we were talking about walking and you like to go on nighttime walks. Um, yep. and somehow it came out that we both, really, really, really like to look into people's windows when we're out at night. And that sounds creepier than it is. What I like, and I don't know if this is how you'd explain it, but I love seeing examples of domestic life playing out at a distance where it's all lit up and it's dark outside. Yeah. And you can see just a little bit of how somebody set their table or that the TV's on. I can't explain it, but it's an extremely cozy feeling to the point that I will would actively seek that out driving or walking around.
0: I totally agree. I'm not trying to like peek on, no. I'm not creeping on people. In fact, I prefer not to see people because then I feel like they can see me and mm-hmm. it freaks me out. Um, But I love to see that like the light is on in this room and not mm-hmm. that. And yeah. I honestly, I also like to look, I like to walk through old neighborhoods and look at people's woodwork and stuff like that. Yeah. So sometimes yes. it's sh- like sheerly aesthetics, but often it's. I, I agree. It's like, oh, life is happening in that house and yeah. that house. Like life is happening all around me. There's these little units of people that are just going about their evening. And you're right. That is a very cozy feeling. I love, I love it. it. Well, so hope I have a feeling we are not alone.
1: No, I, I, but it's, it's kind of a weird thing to feel really, really excited about. <laughs> like yeah. maybe we like it a little more than some people who've never thought about it.
0: Well, we're also both very passionate about something else that might be a little unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is our drinking receptacles.
1: It's so important.
0: So important. I cannot drink out of like, well, okay. I'm going to take that back. I can, of course, if I need a cup of tea or I need a glass of wine or whatever, I can drink out of whatever. But I would strongly prefer to drink out of the tea mug that I choose mm-hmm. or the wine glass that I choose. And it has to fit a like, very specific pro- like uh, criteria yes. for me to want to drink out of it. Yes, agreed. And it's not the same thing I'd want to drink water out of. No. Mm-mm.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I think when you are, now we are both solidly in our 40s. And I think we just get to be that way. Like we just get to have opinions about this. It's always like put in my face when I'm at my parents because they have such nice glassware and they serve really nice wine and they, you know, they take very good care of us. And sometimes I will literally be like, dad, can I please have this in a different glass? I don't like this one. <laughs> it's like
0: what is wrong with you? No, I totally feel so like if a wine glass is too thin, it I don't like the, the experience of drinking out of it. If it's not the right shape, I don't like the experience of drinking out of it. If a um, tea mug is too also too thin or like too small or if the handle isn't where I want it to be or if I can't fit four fingers in the handle (laughs) because I usually put three or four fingers in the handle like I like I like to be able to wrap my entire hand around um yeah it's very and sometimes you don't know till it's in your hand yep whether you're gonna like it or not and things change
1: like I definitely with mugs I go through phases with my mugs um but it it's important it is an important feature
0: Well, I love the from going through these um, little ways that we're the same in different examples. I love how sometimes it's counterintuitive or like flies in the face of what people might assume about our personalities. Mm -hmm. Like people might assume that you're a super neatnik when it comes to hotel rooms, just based on what we've said about your personality. And people might assume I would be super laid back about everything and I'm not. Right? You know, people might assume you'd be a much better driver than you are. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I just think it's really interesting how you can almost always turn something kind of on its head yeah. and see it from another way. We always we like to keep surprising each other.
1: Yes, we do. And And as we said at the beginning where we were drawn together by nuance and like kind of an unwillingness to just take an argument at face value, I think that extends to like personalities and personality yeah. types like your most uptight friend probably has an area where they don't have their you know what together um and right. vice versa and so um we'll link cuz this is a fun episode if you like this kind of thing in the show notes we have some really other fun ones but remember when we did type a mom versus laid back mom Yeah. Um, and so we specifically talked about the parenting ways that we role swap where i'm more laid yep. back and you're more less laid back so all right
0: all right well let's take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about like the big ways that we're different and similar um i think this will be fun too and something that we can kind of dig in on personality tests and some of our favorite things. So we'll be right back. So when I was a kid, my mom almost never bought what she called sugar cereal. (laughs) Those cereals were just off limits unless we were visiting my favorite aunt in the city or if my mom felt like being celebratory. And I'm telling you, getting our hands on those brightly colored balls and O's and frosty goodness was a rare and special occasion for me.
1: Oh yeah, me too. We called it vacation cereal.
0: I love that. You know, I was kind of grumpy about it then, but looking back, I get it. The cereals were completely full of sugar and all kinds of other things that I don't want my kids to have either. So I guess you could say I followed in my mom's footsteps when it comes to my cereal game.
1: I know, but don't you sometimes get kind of nostalgic for them? I swear I can almost taste that rainbow of fruity flavors.
0: Oh, totally. So that's why I got so excited about our sponsor Magic Spoon, a new cereal company that I think is truly magic. Magic Spoon discovered a way to recreate your favorite childhood cereals, but with zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. They're also gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, keto-friendly, low-carb, and GMO-free. So that means you can feel great about indulging in a little cereal-based nostalgia, and maybe even share a piece of your childhood with your kids.
1: Yeah, maybe like in front of some classic Saturday morning cartoons.
0: Now, Sarah, we both know that you never watch Saturday morning cartoons. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I am loving the frosted flavor. It's crazy how much it reminds me of my favorite sugar-coated cereals, but again, with zero sugar. You can also try other classic flavors like cocoa, fruity, and blueberry, or get a variety pack that lets you try them all.
1: And there's no risk to try it. If you don't love Magic Spoon, you'll get your money back with their 100% happiness guarantee. And we've got a great deal for you. Go to magicspoon.com slash mom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And use our promo code mom at checkout, and you'll save $5 off your order. Again, that's magicspoon.com slash mom and use the code mom for $5
0: off. Okay, so who out there listening has the Jane app on their phone? And are any of you actually browsing right now?
1: Right the second <laughs> right? You're listening to us. You're like I am Jane. while I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I have to admit, it is one of my little pleasures, shopping Jane.com or the Jane app. So if you're not familiar, it's a daily deals marketplace that brings together clothing, kids stuff, home decor, and accessories at ridiculously good prices. And many of the sellers on there are actually mom-owned small businesses, which of course we love.
0: I feel like Jane is keeping me young. The clothes and accessories are on trend and really affordable, so I can experiment a little with something without breaking the bank. In fact, I just picked up a couple pairs of jeggings on there in multiple colors, and I love that they're really comfy and they look kind of high-end, but they were cheap.
1: Cheap, cheap, cheap. I also love that the deals come back again and again, so I can click that little heart on a shirt that I love, and then I'll get an email when it's on sale again, so I can buy it in two more colors, which I have totally done. If you are into stuff like monograms and personalizations or graphic tees with cute sayings, this is going to be your new heaven.
0: We are part of Jane's affiliate program, which means if you shop through our link, you'll be helping support the podcast at no additional cost to you. And we only joined that program after we were both fully converted Jane customers, so we truly love it. Head to themomhour.com slash Jane to start shopping on your phone or your browser. Again, it's themomhour.com slash Jane. Okay, Sarah. So for this part of the show, I'm actually going to just kind of lead us through because there's not as many um, of these. They're not just silly little like tea versus coffee kind of things, but much more personality based, much more the way we deal with the world mm-hmm. and see the world. Um, and there are some that are very different between us and some that are are quite similar. So- I'll start with the way that we deal with like stress or seeking information or or how much we even want to seek information. I think um, the way things have been unfolding with like, for example, coronavirus, I think is like a great example. Like I will eventually get around to wanting the information, but in the beginning, it's kind of like I wait until, it's like on an as needed basis. And I know we've talked about this in a recent Mm -hmm. episode, but you're different. You like to have more information up front.
1: I do. I think um, you are better than I am at, Uh, taking your like your internal emotional temperature and making choices based on how you feel. And I just think you're better at that than I am. I am someone who looks for external validation that like whatever, fill in the blank, that the world is safe, that we're all going to be okay. So I do information seek, although I don't as much as some anxious people who really fall down rabbit holes. And I I'm pretty good at like self um, limiting but when I know something is going to make me too anxious. But I I rely on external sources, whether that's like a trusted article or a trusted news source, or sometimes it's even my husband. Like sometimes even the news is stressful. And I just tell Brian, like, tell me what the high level things I need to know are. But it's never coming from how am I feeling about this today? It's always coming from a place of wanting to understand quote unquote, what's really happening. Because even that is a shape-shifting thing. So I don't know. Does that like put it in context?
0: It does. But I think that um, you might be giving yourself a disservice or doing yourself a disservice because I think that the way you do it, it sounds like if you didn't seek information at all, you'd be more stressed or more anxious. Like if if it was just like a black hole and you had no feedback coming in at all, I think then that would create for you this emptiness, this vacuum that you could start filling in. Mm -hmm with like doomsday stuff. Right. So like for you, it is kind of proactive as long as you stop when you need to or as long as you're careful. It's it's
1: kind of like having some anchor points of um, reassurance. And those anchor points might be like a relationship, like my husband. They might be, like I said, a a particular news source. But I definitely seek I definitely look outward for that kind of thing, especially in times of stress.
0: That's interesting. So I guess the way I would say that that I I'm I'm different, maybe not opposite, but different from that. Is that, like I said, I postpone, I postpone knowing any more than I have to until I feel it's time, and then I can go into like a really, like, heavy, (laughs) um, indulging and binging period, and then I'll I'll sort of realize it's taking me down a dark path, and then I kind of pop out of it, and then I'm like, well, now I'm just going to have to deal with reality. So it's like I'll still spike, you know. I think we everybody does, but it's like I kind of purposely Mm self-limit my rabbit holing and on either side of the rabbit hole I function more or less the same Mm -hmm. so yeah that's interesting
1: I keep coming back to the word intuitive like you're intuitive about yourself and the world around you in a way that like I it see from 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 where I stand it seems like it keeps you
0: leveled Hmm. except for when I'm not but that's okay yeah (laughs) Okay, so this would be a good time for us to talk about personality tests because I think that's we both love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it can kind of give us this like a a context or a structure for why mm-hmm. we are different and sometimes why something can look like we're the same, but maybe we're just coming at it from a different place. So mm-hmm. just let's do like a really quick um rundown of our Enneagram. And I'll let you go first because you come earlier in it's, the Enneagram than I'm me.
1: First, darn it. You're first. Um I am an Enneagram one. And, um, that for those who aren't familiar, um, means that I am often focused on the right answer and that applies to many different areas of life. Um, we can link up some resources about Enneagram if you're not familiar, but, um, I definitely feel like that speaks to what we were just talking about earlier, which is looking for information and like almost trying to find out like, how should I be feeling right now? What should I be doing? Um, and Enneagram ones tend to be self-critical, sometimes critical of others too, um, and kind of in pursuit of improving things. And that's, that's the, the upside is Enneagram ones are, can be really good problem solvers and good systems people because we look at the world and we think, okay, that was cool, but how can I do that better next time? And so if you're in a healthy place, that can be really useful. Um, but if you're in a less healthy place, it could be really self-critical, perfectionistic, etc.
0: Okay. So I'm an Enneagram two. Um, and that is often referred to as the helper. Um so it tends to be a very relational number. Um, and it, so to, to like contrast the way you might be motivated by wanting to get it right or wanting to know the correct thing to do, mm-hmm. I would be more motivated by what everyone else is doing mm-hmm. or or how other people are feeling or how I can make other people feel, mm-hmm. or even how other people are making me feel. Mm-hmm. so it's it's very intuitive and like um like you said, and relational. And I think what I, what's very fascinating about it is it seems so different, but we're going to get into this in a minute. It can often lead to the same result Mm -hmm. because you might be doing something because it's the right thing to do, but often the right thing to do is also the right thing to do because it helps other people. Right.
1: Yes. You know, (laughs) and I can, I see this play out with our, in our business so often, and it, it really does make us a pretty good match. Um, but let's like, let's break down something like um, saying no to someone or having a difficult conversation or saying or or holding a boundary, let's say like in our business, um, you are attuned to like emotional dynamics in a way that sometimes I am not. But I am also not afraid to hold a boundary sometimes in a way that you might feel bad about. Do you know what I mean? Like, I right. think we we yeah. perfectly fill in gaps is the wrong word, but we fill in the strengths areas in ways that are perfect because things that I would have a hard time, I have a really hard time. Well, uh, yeah, I won't give specific examples because we'd be here all day, but I think it's interesting to watch how that plays out in our business.
0: Well, it's, I love it because I think you, Enneagram ones are so um, motivated, not only by doing things right themselves, Mm -hmm. but by the idea that the world should have gotten it together by now and (laughs) they should also be doing it right. You know what I mean? So whatever right is, maybe for us, that's, we've created some policy about the way we're going to work with another company or something, right? And we have now created that, so therefore it is right. Mm -hmm. So you have no problem being productively grumpy, Mm -hmm. I'll just say, with someone who's overstepped that boundary. Whereas for me, I would see like 17 shades of gray. Like, well, I mean... You know they didn't do it right this time, and you really empower me mm-hmm. to kind of also be productively grumpy, or even just to throw that boundary up and say, "Oh, actually, no, this is what we agreed to, mm-hmm. um, and so we need to stick to that." And it's not personal; it's mm-hmm. we're not insulting them. Like this isn't like no one's going to get mad at us, right. or even if they do, who cares, right? Um, and I think that that really, really works well. But I could see like, t- like left to our our own devices, I could see me changing the way I do things for everybody just to make people happy, right? To like, and shape, I could ship. see you, yeah. Yeah. And I could see you like holding a line that doesn't need to be held.
1: Well, let me give you another. This is a great like counter example. I do not like to be late or push back deadlines and neither do you. You are very, you're very, if you say you're going to do something, you always do it. But you, I feel are better at evaluating in the moment. Like, is this something that could be canceled or rescheduled in the name of like the bigger picture? Whereas I will dig in on, you know, I don't like to get our sound editor, um, the stuff he needs to edit our podcast at the last minute, because in my Enneagram one mind, like that's not fair. That's not right. We said we'd get it five days ahead and now it's only two. And I think what you helped me see is like, we take really good care of our sound editor, Brian, if you're listening and editing this and, and we can have a more dynamic, fluid, understanding relationship where we're not like Like moving this one deadline does not equal being bad. And that's like what an Enneagram one would do. Whereas you're able to see like a more nuanced picture. But maybe I help, like maybe without me, then you're just like, Flexible to the other extreme. I don't know.
0: Well, without you, what it would be happening <laughs> is I'd consistently be getting stuff late, and then I would start to read the room too much to try mm-hmm. to figure out if Brian was irritated with me. And you'd and like that. I would I would get all wrapped up trying to trying to figure out like oh is this a big deal is it not a big deal like how does he feel how should I feel so no it's like actually the perfect balance. Yeah. You keep, you keep things on track as much as they need to be. And I allow it to go loose when, when sometimes. Yeah. And you're,
1: you're good at reminding me that like this one detail is not equal to the whole project being sunk. And that's sometimes what an Enneagram one can do is if we miss this one deadline, we haven't gotten an A on the project. Whereas like maybe missing this one deadline and asking for an extension makes the whole project better. That's, I think in a nutshell, what you are good at reminding me of is like, we have the same goal to, to put out something good um, and, and I can just dig in on something small and lose sight of that.
0: Well, that's very flattering. I would love to actually hear from people who have Enneagram one and two relationships in their lives mm-hmm. because we've shared before that I'm, I've realized when I did kind of like a, I don't know, like a accounting like an audit of my friendships because I've made everyone take, like, take the test by now that I surround myself with lots of ones, mm-hmm. ones and nines. And I don't know why that is exactly. Um, That's just kind of how it works out. Mm -hmm. So, and twos, other twos. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of wondering if there are patterns like that, if certain numbers work well together in some kinds of, you know, in some kinds of circumstances or are more likely to be friends. Interesting. Well, we kind of touched on, you know, ways that that our Enneagram makes us present the same, even though the underlying Mm -hmm. um, reasons might be different. But let's talk about some of the other things. Like we we talked in the beginning about... um, the fact that we had a similar writing style because we saw a lot of nuance. And I think this is something that's led to the show being on for five years. I mean, the fact is that we can talk about almost any parenting topic without taking a super hard line about any part of it. Mm-hmm. And still, I think not neither one of us comes out feeling like we didn't say the truth.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: That's, um, it's interesting. Like I, I think that's hard. I'm not gonna say hard to you, like we're so special. I just think that's that is not the world we tend to live in. Usually?
1: It isn't. So, and I think yeah. we're both drawn to other content creators who do the same. Um, I at least I hope that's like the the environment that we're creating. Um and I think you're right. I think it might come from a different like a different source, but it it ends up the same in the end.
0: Yeah. And I think that obviously the people who listen to the show probably like it that way that they're also probably drawn to other other bloggers and podcasters and writers and people like that who um, can take something big and maybe a little bit of a hot topic and break it down and eliminate some of that guilt and, and just and really show just that there are, there's sides.
1: room for, yeah, that there's room for, uh, many experiences within a given hot topic.
0: So then on the less positive side of that, I think that it makes us both have the tendency to like over explain. Yes. Yeah. Would you agree that we are the same in that way?
1: I think so. I have an internal need to feel heard and understood. I mean, I think everybody does. Um, but I I do think that, that we can both be, we both have a, a high need to explain ourselves. Yeah. And so yeah. especially if we feel misunderstood or we feel mm-hmm. like someone has interpreted us in a way that we didn't mean to, we can feel defensive um, and yep. want, to, want to explain.
0: Yeah. And I think for you, it's probably coming from that Enneagram one like, but i swear i got it right yeah what do yeah. you mean what do you mean
1: let me show you. <laughs> you yeah
0: let me show you that i passed the test yeah. i did all my studying yeah. i did my research like i was right and for me it's like oh no did i hurt someone's feelings or yeah. let someone down what does that say about me so it's just it's like we come to the same place but just from mm-hmm. from two different ways which i think is interesting
1: well we have okay, microphones so- in front of us and um, we can over explain, I guess, as much as we want till people just turn us off. <laughs> we picked, I guess, what I'm saying is we picked the right medium. We picked long form podcasting to be able to explain ourselves.
0: Yeah. Like, if there's like at this point in the podcast, everyone's just like, okay, enough, then that's fine. We understand. Okay. Well, let's wrap up by just naming a couple of things that have changed for us both. Like, we did an episode not too long ago, the things that we're changing our minds about, which mm-hmm. was kind of fluffy and fun. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think we have, we've, we've worked together a long time now. And I think we have influenced each other in ways that we don't always, you know, realize until Mm -hmm. it gets pointed out. So, um, I've got a couple, so I definitely, I think when you and I started conferencing together, I would be the one to shut the party down. I would stay out really late. Sometimes you would go to bed before Mm -hmm. me and I, maybe because I know we're going to have so much fun back in the room, just you and I, like that anxiety over ending the experience. Right. Has gone away, and I am happy to go to bed early and leave the party. Like I'm, how many times has it has in the last year or two have I been the one and to I think say? It's a, I was
1: going to say it's often your idea, and I of course yeah. like don't want to ever be the one to make you come back early because I'm happy to go back <laughs> early by myself. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there are club sandwiches await. I know. Service. That's. I
0: think for me, it's actually been very kind of instructive. Like, what is? I, I think that's a. it's a. I'm an ENFP as well, and that is an ENFP. Like, not wanting to shut the party down, wanting, like wanting the experience to continue. And I think that when you know, like, like now we've learned through repetition that the fun doesn't end and like, we're still going to go have a really meaningful experience, whatever it is. um, That just makes it like, Oh sure. Let's leave this party and let's go have our own. Yeah. So that's really been fun. And I also think that like you've just helped me see the value in being really intentional in the way I think about things like in the way that I, look at the small things that I can do to get to the big picture I want to get to, which I think is hard for people like me, um, Mm -hmm. who tend to have big visions. You you can have all these great ideas about how you want your business to look or your family life to look or all these different things, but it's much harder for me to know how, like, what is the thing I need to do over and over and over to make that happen. And then to actually do that thing Mm -hmm. over and over and over. And even though I don't always do it for myself, like, just having you there creating these systems and and dotting all the I's and crossing the T's like consistently over and over and seeing the benefits of that has, I don't know, it's changed my brain wiring a yeah. little bit.
1: Well, good. Thank you. I guess hey. I, don't, I don't know if that's a thank you statement. You changed but.
0: my brain, Sarah. <laughs> no, I think it's actually really good.
1: Well, yeah. on, on the flip side of that, I mean, I definitely think I've been influenced by you. Um, we always use the phrase like, I have a crazy idea in business and that would never have come out of my mouth or typed out of my fingers, um, because I'm not a crazy idea type of person, but I think witnessing somebody's big ideas actually come to fruition is an incredibly exciting thing. And so seeing you have an idea. And then like, when you get into action, you are unafraid of taking action. Even if you don't, you know, leap, then look like, even if you don't have all the systems in place and just witnessing that over and over again, I find myself with my own crazy ideas sometimes. And they're not even, I from rewired you. your brain. You did, you did rewire <laughs> yeah. my brain. Um, And I think I, I love one thing I love about how different we are in the like Enneagram one and not Enneagram one way is like when something is presented to me as like, here's three options for how we could move forward. You are always like, well, how about this other fourth option that we haven't thought of? And we always <laughs> joke and laugh about that, but yeah. that has truly rewired my brain to not think in. And sometimes those are our own options. Like, okay, we've always done this this way. So let's iterate that. Let's repeat that. And that's the, that's still my default, but now there's the little part of my brain that's like, or, or, like, yeah. or what would happen if? Um, and so that's definitely direct influence of doing business with you. And then I think- um, I think you've influenced me in parenting older kids just by the fact that we get on this mic and talk about parenting, you know, once or twice a week for five years. Um, just in in certain normalizing certain things, my tendency to anticipate like the worst rather than just wait and see what happens as as kids grow. And so I know I've been, I've been influenced by that. And the other episode we did like this was we did, I think it's our episode 200, was things we've learned from each other. And that's, that's all right. parenting related. So I'll link that one up as well. Yeah, definitely check that out. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And before we go, we wanted to give you a heads up that this coming week is actually our five-year anniversary of this podcast. So that means if you had a brand new baby when you found us, if it was back in 2015, you could have a kindergartner later this year. That's crazy.
0: Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. We have some fun things up our sleeves to celebrate this coming week. So make sure that you're following us on Instagram and look out for some surprises later in the week.
1: All right, we'll be back with an all new episode on Tuesday and we'll talk to you then.